Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Cool. Are we rolling? Are we? Hey, we're rolling. I'm alive. Yeah, we're alive. We're alive. I'm alive. The um, so this wood is called Ipe, and I don't know technically where this is from, but they say it comes from Indonesia and Costa Rica, and the slang term for it's called monkey pod. So, which is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool table, man. I like it. The um, it's um, from Broward Design Center. My buddy Sky has all kinds of unique, cool things from all over the world there he travels the world and finds all these unique things so it's heavy it's extremely heavy yeah like two dudes walked in here and told me to move out of the way where do i want it and put it all together and dropped it right there to like wouldn't want to move it again it, that's what they that's what they said they're like you sure you want it here i'm like yeah they're like, because you don't want to move this around and i'm like all right no it looks right. good so so if we do end up moving out of here this is going to be the one part that i'm right. going to dread but, Looks uh, like it'll fit. Well, actually, it won't fit through the door. No, you gotta take the you gotta take the oh, bottom man. off. Yeah, yeah. That'll make it lighter too. Yeah. So it's it's all like screwed in, like not like, not like IKEA perfectly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like screwed into the wood. So yeah, it's cool. just a matter of reconstruction. So, um, thanks for coming. Yeah, you're welcome to visit the gallery. To be on and here. Hang out and drink some rum with yeah. me. And glad I could so. get some time down here. Yeah, so I should I should have visited you before. But, well, I you mean, know, we have busy lives, right? We're here now, right? That's yeah, we're right. exactly. We have busy lives. We were just talking about it at the bar, but you know, which I want to get into that in a little bit. But um, I want to introduce you officially. So Ben Hicks is here with me, um, master photographer, cinematographer, um, fellow marine life artist. I will say. And uh, I'm honored to have you on. I've admired your work for years. I appreciate and, and that. It's just uh, incredible, incredible stuff. So goes um, both ways, you know. I uh, appreciate that, man. Same thing. Anyone, um, anyone listening or watching to us, uh, head on over to at Ben J Hicks right now and check out the work while you're listening to this and give it to just to give this episode a little bit of context because I think there is a visual aspect of it too. So cheers. Um, oh, how do you do this? I don't think I've drank. So um, you just pull it back. <laughs> Like that. There's a technique. That's it. There is a technique. You just pull it back and yeah. right back don't try. To, don't try to like slide. Don't try to slide the cup around your Maybe mic. Maybe you else. need a straw next time. Yeah, oh, that's not a bad idea. Just do straw. But not a plastic straw. <laughs> no, just plastic cups. Apparently, <laughs> no, I want to work on that. We're responsible with them. I'm, I'm going to review this whole section right here. You should. Where you got plastic cups? Yeah, that, you know, wood from Costa Rica. <laughs> that's a good table. That's right. It's reclaimed. Yes. Right. For sure. So. That's that's no. I'm I'm stoked to be on here. Um, same thing. I admire what you do, and um, I think it's great the concept. Like you, I mean, connected by water. What it says. It's that's an awesome idea. Yeah. Thanks. And, and this is it too, because a lot of people think that we're just a fishing show, and it, just because that's really a heavy subject matter for us, and that's main main clientele or you know fishermen and big boats and sport fish yeah. and stuff like that. But 
uh, really the whole point of naming the show Connected by Water is to just give it a broader sense of appeal to a, like a more cultivated audience um, and, and just be more than just a fishing show. And, and we want to go beyond that. And quite frankly, most of the times when I do have like legendary anglers and stuff on the show, like we're, 75% of the time we're not even talking about fishing. And that's what I wanted. Like I didn't want it to be like, oh, how do you tie this knot? Or how do you, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. It, it, there's enough shows about that. You know, we wanted to bring the culture into it. And, and that's why I'm glad you're here. So cool. speaking of bringing the culture into it, we want to announce our do-gooder of the week, our Starbright do-gooder of the week. And so full disclosure to everyone listening and watching, we didn't have one this week. We forgot to get one from Corey. And so we said, Ben, you got a do-gooder and you did. So, and I think that really is going to spark a, an idea that I think I might have the guests bring in their own do-gooder. So who's our do-gooder of the week? So I walked in here and you were like, you explain the whole concept. I think that's awesome. Um, and Starbright, right, is going to mm-hmm. kind of hook them up. Yep. I think the hardest thing with that for me is there's so many do-gooders, right? Especially on the water community. Yep. Um, uh, right comes off to my mind, uh, since it's so fresh, is a lot of things going on in our state with Hurricane Ian. Just smacked everybody on the West Coast uh, and some people over here, obviously, as well, on the north side. On the north side, yeah. Yeah. Um, my good friends, um, Jacob Shields and Benny, who run uh, the Compound Board Shop and mm-hmm. also Compound Fly Fishing and Compound Scape Shop over in Sarasota, Florida. And, um, you know, they... They had their own personal issues with their only property getting destroyed and some stuff in uh, Sarasota, and they were hit the ground running uh, to support others down south in Fort Myers, working with Captains for Clean Water and getting supplies on the boats and running them right down there. Um, it seemed like the day after the storm, uh, they were on top of it. And, um, you know, they come off, uh, first thing in my tongue, we're, we're those guys, they are always in support of the community around them and pretty selfless. You know, they're huge fishermen as well. Mm-hmm. Love fly fishing, love to surf, love to support the environment uh, and the things that they love. So I would, I would elect them this week. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, they're good people. So Very cool. Compound board shop crew, I would nice. say. Yep. I appreciate that, Benny. Uh, we are going to send them a bucket full of goodies cool right and then we got the the salt off and the boat wash and the reggae sponge and all the great things and the degreaser and all that so congrats to compound compound yeah make them um, clean their boat yeah and, and we wish them the best of luck in yeah, everything right. that they're going through um they in, are in these, and yeah. I, I only want to say in the, this next couple of weeks because it's probably going to be a hell of a lot longer than that like what they're dealing with is just absolutely Horrendous. Um, and to segue from that, um, I do want to bring up the campaign that we have been doing, the very successful campaign that we have been doing here. We did this campaign, our Stronger Together campaign, uh, during Hurricane Dorian. And in a week's time, we raised $40,000 in shirt sales in one week um, and that we donated to the people of Abaco. And we did that through the Greater Miami Billfish um tournament which is a setup as a 501c3 and that channeled through the church of god in abaco that's where the money went we know that the forty thousand dollars that we raised went directly towards buying lumber for to build new homes in abaco that's so awesome when we were searching we're doing it now again we're doing a stronger together campaign i saw now the shirt, for, yeah. for fort myers and so we're including a tarpon so it's kind of you know for that area relative yeah yeah and um so it's as we air today, we've been doing the campaign for four days, I think. When this airs, it's going to be, it would have gone on for longer. Um, but right off the bat, we're experiencing that it's very successful. And I do want to make an announcement on that, that we have named a beneficiary. Um, we didn't have one when we started it because I didn't want to knee jerk on that and say, okay, well, who are we going to give this money to? I don't want to just say, oh, Florida Disaster Fund and just have all the money get eaten up by a corporate conglomerate and it doesn't get used to do what we want the money to do. We want it to go right into the mouths of the people, um, whether it be water, whether it be food, or whether it be just immediate things that they need now. Not We don't think that the money that we we're going to raise is necessarily going to go towards rebuilding homes. I think the Florida Disaster Fund, I think it's going to take care of that for people. We want to help them now. 
Um, so we wanted to find an organization that was indigenous and boots on the ground. And, um, and, we, and we feel that Captains for Clean Water is that organization. And that's where we're going to be giving our money to. And we have um, reached out to them, contacted them, and, you know, we're going to be working with them to make sure that, um, you know, everyone gets what they need um, through the use of this money. And our partners, Papa's Pilar Rum, sponsor of this show, and um, as a brand ambassador to them and part of the Papa's Pilar family, I'm very proud to say that whatever we raise during the entirety of this campaign, once once we write our final check, our final donation amount, they're going to match 10% of that up to $5,000. Wow. So we're very happy to have awesome. them behind it as well. Um, so our, we raised 40 for Dorian. Our goal is 50 for this campaign. So if we can write a check for $50,000, I'd be very excited. We'd love to write one for more than that, if possible. I don't know how this thing is going to go once Captains for Clean Water and Papa's Pilar get involved with promoting it. Um, but we're very excited um, to be able to do this. Cool. Number one. And, and number two, um, you know, just we're, hope, we're hoping we can help people. Yeah, and, that's and great. That, that's what it all comes down to. So, um, so if you are listening, watching, um, the campaign will still be going on uh, once this aired. So head on over to my social media at Dennis for Art at Connected by Water. And we have links to the shirt in the bio there. And that's how you can help. Cool. And, and that money is going to go to Captains for Clean Water. So it's like a long sleeve fishing shirt, right? It's a long sleeve dye yeah, sub. Yep. Dye cool. sub performance fishing shirt. Um, cool. And it's going to have We Are All Connected by Water on the front. It's going to have our Stronger Together message on the back with the tarpon and the flag of Florida um, and the Papa's Polar logo and the Captain's for Clean Water logo. It's going to say we're all connected by water in the back. Cool. So, yeah. So we're excited about it. So doing good, okay, is probably the perfect segue to talk to you about because you're someone that does good in the community. Um, you, I know you go to a lot of schools. You do a lot of speaking uh, to children about the environment and about being good stewards um, of our oceans and our waterways and just our planet in general. Um, and you work with the Gumbo Limbo Research Center and, and different places like that. So let me get a little bit inside your head when it comes to the intrinsic value of, of how it makes you feel, number one, why you do it, and, and ways that people that don't necessarily do this, that's not in their DNA, can make it a part of their DNA. Yeah, you know, um, it was definitely enlightening to me going into the art world as a photographer and realizing that I could connect with people through my images and realizing that the connection a lot of times was the sensitivity of the animals that I was shooting, right? Sea turtles, we all know, have issues with the environment and being able to survive and the impact of humans and so on. And the pictures of turtles that I started photographing back in 2008 really touched upon people, not only as artwork, but they were like, my gosh, you know, that will that even survive that turtle and so on. And so immediately I realized that I could use my art as a platform uh, for environmental awareness. And um, that kind of has, you know, evolved more than I could imagine, right? And I'm super grateful for that. Um, as an artist, it's, it's, it's amazing to be able to make a living, but also amazing to be able to give back in what I do directly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've just tried to use my work in every direction to give back, to donate it towards, you know, resources that can reach a broader audience than me even, and so on. Um, so yeah, any opportunity I get to, to try to do that in, in, a variety of platforms, whether that be in person uh, at schools or, um, you know, talking at um, different institutions or whatever it might be. Um, even during COVID, I was doing Zoom calls with classrooms um, from Europe to uh, small Australia to you name it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing to be able to do. And, uh, you know, you get the attention with artwork especially underwater. And once I have their attention, especially young minds, you know, that's our next generation, right? And uh, if we can make them love our ocean and then say, hey, if you love it so much, let's try to care for it too. And your actions um, speak much louder if uh, your day-to-day -day lives could be changed and, and, and 
just a little bit can make a long diff- make a long way. You can go a long way and make a difference. Um, and whatever we're using, uh, whether using less plastic or just awareness, right? Um, my my motto on all my posts is um, I use the hashtag Be Ocean Minded. So before you do something, think about our ocean, right? First, and that's something that um, I think I've tried to just carry through in all my work. Um, and just grateful that I get a lot of opportunities to do that, you know, whenever I can try to work with places like Gumbo Limbo, um, and any, anything from, you know, providing them images, obviously direct stuff to taking headshots of all their nonprofit, Mm -hmm. you know, volunteers and employees because they need that or whatever, um, whatever I can do to help out. Uh, and then getting sponsors, uh, Toyota has helped me, you know, do lots of things in the environmental world um, directly with Gumbo Limbo does other things as well. So getting people like that involved um, is, is a great thing to be a part of. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I mean, I, I used to talk about this theory all the time about how it's, you know, really cool to be successful and, you know, get a lot of money and there's like a high you can experience from that. And, and I just think that, compared to the satisfaction and the high you get from being out in the community and doing good and the enrichment that you feel from that, I think that dwarfs that whole empire feeling of, of personal accomplishment in my mind. It does. And I think that's what brings me back to it all the time. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you get the gratification, I think of um, making a difference, you know, like it's one thing to make a living, but it's another thing to make a difference in people's lives or the, the future of our environment, you know, to look back and like, look, I just, I didn't just, you know, try to make a career out of it, support my family, but I also, you know, try to make a difference in this at the same time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think as just like you, um, it translates, uh, into being respectful in your art community as well as being a successful in a business, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Giving back goes a long ways. You know, it, you get a lot of karma from it. I tell you. Yeah, you really you do. do. I think there's certain, I mean, and I can probably not only just speak for the both of us, but I think most, and we'll just categorize this as marine artists for the for the moment, um, but, you know, other artists, other wildlife artists probably probably say this for, for them as well. You feel a sense of responsibility when it comes to it all, right? And, totally. You know, any waterman would feel the same way too, but I think marine artists in general just feel a very big sense of responsibility when it comes to it that, you know, for example, I mean, since we just were ta- talking about it in the hot button topic, when I'm sitting there watching, you know, the hurricane unfold because it basically did happen for all of us who weren't in the middle of it in real time, um, that it, you kind of climb on the walls, you know, thinking like this is, cringing and saying this is horrible like you know it's it's tough and you know what's happening you know what comes next and you're hoping for the best but maybe you're not hopeful at that point but you just feel like there's something you got to do and you know and just utilizing whatever you know power that god has given you whatever to to be able to do good and then maybe that's that's the way you know to to outlet that i mean yeah i don't know tough to articulate it but there's like this innate sense of responsibility inside inside of it for sure yeah, but I agree. The um, when was there a time that you really started connecting with the ocean? Is it like forever, or is it like you know? Is there like a crucial moment that you ever had with it? Um, you know, I since I was a kid, yeah. I grew up in Venice, right, okay. about an hour north of where the hurricane just hit. Oh, you did um, grow up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in Venice, and um, well, Clyde Butcher's got his big gallery out there. And right? Clyde Butcher was right? was a huge influence of mine as well. Um, I grew up about a block from the beach, okay, in Venice, Florida, on the island. And my parents would take me to the beach all the time. Yeah. My grandpa had a little Boston whaler. We'd go out in that. I'd go fishing um, in the summers. I go to Northern Michigan and spend time on a lake with all my family there. Mm-hmm. I was born in Michigan actually, and moved down to West Coast of Florida when I was four. Okay. And um, so not true for Luridian, but I've been here most of my life. And, um, you know, collecting shark's teeth, um, skimboarding, all that in the ocean uh, from the get-go. The and West Coast is so much different than the East Coast when it comes to things like that. It and, is. You know, there's what 
we talked about it before. I went to Ringling, right? But I was born and raised over here on this side. And when I went there when I was 18 years old, and Nick's from Tampa, so he he's over there nodding his head. You know, so he's like, yeah, it's completely different. And it is just a different way of life over there. Um, it's, you know, I say more laid back, but some of it is, is tough for me to put my finger on it. But obviously the water is different um, with the Gulf and the way the coastline is and, you know, and the way you're able to interact with it. You know, there's, you know, in some ways you're limited as to what you can do over here but in other ways there's more adventurous things closer at hand to do over here too like more coral reef structures and different things like that um but there's something to be said for that west coast lifestyle but one thing i noticed you bring up michigan when i moved there is that in the in the east coast like particularly like southeast florida seems like there's more of a northeast influence of snowbirds and on the west yeah. coast there's more of like a midwest influence in michigan and ohio yep. and and i didn't realize that till i moved there for for college and i was like man like i've never met so many people from michigan my roommate was from michigan right? he went to east lansing for two years that's and, where i was born yeah east lansing really yeah yep. yeah so i always thought that was an interesting thing i was like wonder why that is though it's the pace yeah. If you think about it, the pace of the New Yorkers, New Jersey, they're faster paced around here. There's yeah. more going on, right? Yep. Over there, you have Midwesterns. They're a little bit more laid back. Yeah. They're not so quick paced, fast paced, you know? Um, one of the reasons I probably didn't go back over there was it's a little slower. Mm-hmm. The average age is a lot older. Um, That's so. the one part that I struggled with when I was in Sarasota and I was 18 years old. I'm like, eh. Yeah, you know, it's it's you know, you think oh, okay, I'm going to college and there's going to be this college lifestyle, and it's just well, it wasn't that. You know, there's a lot of older people, and when you drive into town, it's like in Sarasota, there's like welcome to Sarasota, and it says it in French Canadian too, like right below it. So I'm like, yeah, okay, where yeah. am I? Oh, Ringland's so, a great school. That no, it's a good time. Awesome yeah, school. I like Sar- I like Sarasota. You know what I mean? Like Siesta Key and Lido Key and all that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a good time over there. Yep, yep, yep. Growing up, go grew up going over there all the time up there. Take me through a little bit in your head. We discussed a little bit about um, working too much because there's no roadmap for what we do, right? And, you know, as much as there's, you know, books about sales and books about, you know, small businesses and, you know, and we're like all the above, like all that combined into one, but then you yet still need to find time to be creative in your day because you got to switch your brain and then you just got to, and creativity takes time. Yeah. Right? And it takes focus and you can't really, you can, but it's better if you don't answer the phone and answer emails while in the middle of doing it all. And so take me through your philosophy on that. Um, well, it's a, it's a constant problem solving, you know, evolve of, of creating the business. Um, I, uh, so I started out, I went to school for graphic design mm-hmm. and photography. And Where'd you go to school? At FAU. Oh, cool. Yeah, I came over here to go to school at FAU because it was the closest school to the ocean. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really into going. I wasn't stoked in going to college. Yeah. You know, I was like, eh, not a huge fan of school. But I was driven to, um, you know, follow my passions. And I love to surf and be at the beach and so on. So I was like, well, if I'm going to go to school, I had a Bright Future scholarship. Had to use it in Florida. And so FAU was the closest school to the ocean. So that was kind of... Right. Two and two came together, and um, I slowly uh, got more into photography through college. Did a lot of freelance photography work uh, in the action sports industry. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously started the things that I love to do: surfing and mountain biking and stuff like that. Um, documenting those things. Always have been into nature as since a kid. Um, never really thought that would be a career, right? Like even for you, right? It's a lot of people are probably telling you, well, you're going to be a professional painter. You know, there's a lot of naysayers, right? Dude, I, I, so it's hard. The story for me goes when I was 17, I was like hanging, working galleries and I was doing stuff with the IGFA, but I never saw, you know what I mean? I was, just thought that was fun and I thought that was cool and everything like that. But when I went to Ringling and I got out, I took a job in the music business. I worked in the corporate world for 17 yeah. years I had a good career, you know, but yeah, but then finally, you know, I started realizing as I got older and started learning professional skills and I started looking at the world a little bit differently. I'm like, no, we can do this. You yeah. Know, it can, it can happen. And I just, it finally took the leap like what, nine, 10 years ago. But 
you know, yeah, but wow. it was because yeah, so you started I, a little bit later on. Yeah, so so it was because of that. Well, I've never stopped painting fish. I always did it. But like, I mean, like quitting professionally, a job, yeah, right? To do it full time. Yeah. So what age did you quit and then? I was forty. Dive in. Really? Yeah. Wow. So thirty nine, right? So yeah, and I was. I mean, but I was when I worked at at Alliance for you. and the it's music. It's even harder business, to do. Yeah, we worked with you know. I was doing stuff with like Universal and Sony and all the major record labels. It was a very good job. I worked for a billion dollar company, and we were traveling all over the country to do stuff and events. Yeah, and yeah. Whatever. It was a great job. That's why I stayed there for seventeen years. It was killer. Like I love that job. I really did. But without insurance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like you know, ultimately you know. My wife was like, you know, she sees me painting fish all the time. She's like, this is where your heart's at. This is what yeah. you got to do, you know? And so we did. You know, we had kids on the company benefits. And three months after my son was born, we were done having kids. I'm like, all right, we're out. Yeah. You know, I, I, I dove into it um, at a, in a slow pace. You know, I, I got a job right out of college as an art director in ad agency mm-hmm. uh, designing. But I also, I took one year working there and learned how to do business on the business side. Right. As you know, as an that's, artist, that's the one thing in working in that job. That's, that's the one thing I really, really learned. So yeah. as an artist, uh, there's a million amazing artists in this world, mm-hmm. probably m- more, right? A lot. But artists that are good business people are few and far between, right? Yep. Obviously. And so that was that's something, the big challenge. that was something that, um, I just had to work hard at, right? Um, creating the artwork wasn't as hard creating the photos. It was, people to buy those images, people to buy whatever I was creating. I was doing design artwork too at the same time. But, um, you know, little by little, luckily I started when I was younger. So I quit my job after a year out of college and just did freelance work and just chugged away at it. In 2008, I was invited to shoot um, some sea turtle work because I had a housing, I was shooting surfing and so Mm -hmm. on. And I had put those images on my blog and... um, I was doing a lot of commercial artwork or uh, photos at that point and still doing some um, freelance design work too. And a bunch of people just said, hey, could I have a picture of that on my wall? And that just was like the light bulb went off. Yeah. I was like, really? Like, like print it out? Like you'll pay for it? And, you know, mm-hmm. that's the moment you're like, okay, maybe I can try to do some of this. And I really enjoyed doing that, right? I, I I found it fascinating to document that material. And, you know, it's not like it's photographing great whites. There's baby sea turtles. It's not too dangerous, you mm-hmm. know? Um, it was just hard to find them. And I had to work with biologists and just be on top of it. And so um, just started the juggling from there. How can I, you know, transition and make this a career uh, and keep up. I, you know, I currently still do commercial work as well, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people think I just chase baby sea turtles full time, 24 hours a day. Right. I don't. That's majority of what my work is sold as, but still do all types of commercial work. Anything from um, campaigns for product shots to whatever. And a lot of it's involved in projects that I want to be involved in um the bike industry or surfing industry or something like that um something that's worth my time and i love to do and the price is right but on the business side of things with the fine art you know um for me it's it's a challenge to constantly try to evolve and figure out new ways how i can be a professional artist um you know working with vendors or retailers that carry my work and that you know Images that they think, you know, would work well in that store Um, as far as uh, and also about five years ago, adopting to more um, shooting more video as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was licensing some images um, to starting to license a National Geographic Discovery Channel and National Geographic ran my first image in 2012. And that kind of launched my social media Mm -hmm. as well because I was on social media and they tagged me there. And that really generated. Yeah, and that, was when, that one was, was you had a post on a, on a, a feed like that and you got 2,000 followers in, you know, eight hours. That's crazy. That's yeah. when the growth was huge, right? And, um, and so anyway, fast forward, you know, five or six years ago, I really started to integrate more video because they were all asking for, well, we, that's a great still, but do you have a video of that um, in that same environment? Um, and so I've adapted a lot more to to doing video documentation as well as in the commercial environment and in the fine art world. So mm-hmm. we're also doing anything from, we, we shot a 
a dentist um, green screen commercial in the studio to, you know, the next day I go and, you know, shoot a crab trying to eat a baby sea turtle. Right. You know? Um, and for me, it's a creative process in my head that um, is, is a problem solving. It's a challenge. Try to create that and, you, you know, go through all these hoops to get those. And uh, I really enjoy that. Right. And a lot of people say, why don't you go one direction? Why don't you just shoot, you know, what you're, you baby sea turtles or nature or water or waves or whatever fish. But I'd still enjoy the commercial side quite a bit. Yeah. It's working with professionals and, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's an end product where I can create and help people, um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, it's afforded me to, um, also live a lifestyle where I don't have to work as much anymore. So my son was born in 2015. My daughter was born in 2018. And, um, it made me realize that, you know, I need to start slowing, slowing down a little bit, um, spend family time. Yeah. You know, my that's wife, very important. My wife would probably say you probably should have done it before that. Why the right, kids have yeah, to come along yeah. and do that. But, what about you know, me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> But, um, I think that was my biggest regret too, before having kids is, you know, I, we travel, but I just don't think we traveled enough. And because, you know, once the kids come, it's, it's tougher to take that vacation, especially with the age that yours are right now. And it's, it's tougher to lug them around everywhere and you know, it, it becomes is. more expensive. It's, you know, the yeah. expenses double and, and all that. So, yeah, and it's easier just the two of you just to be like, oh yeah, just, let's just go, you know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Bringing kids on it really writes a different story. It is. It is. I'm fortunate my wife also works full time. So like, I don't have to, I'm not the weight of the whole family budget, you know, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I started working less um, about three or four years ago um, and, and really started changing things during COVID. How's um, I mean, reality, my wife- I'm always still- curious to hear this, how everyone responded right. to that, artists in particular. So, so you know, halt. 2020 March, um, my wife works for Jam Family, which is oh, really? Deerfield. Yeah. yeah, she runs environmental, um, their environmental um, health and wellness program and everything, and, and also is a lot involved with the footprint of what they do, right? She was still working full time. No more school for the kids. Mm-hmm. Instantly, I was full time dad yeah. at home from eight o'clock to five o'clock. Um, halt the brakes. And the hard part for me was I still had a lot of projects going on. Yeah. Right. And um, and so the first three weeks. Yeah, that generally were, doesn't stop. Yeah, the yeah. first three weeks were were difficult. They were hard. Um. You know, I think we were both exhausted. The kids were just over it being home. They just weren't used to it. Mm-hmm. It was intense, right? We weren't sure about having our parents watch the kids because, you know, we all didn't know what the heck was going on in the world. It was, yep. it was, a, it was a tense time. And um, who do you believe about what it is or whatever, you know? And so I did just- you, Did you hand wash your groceries for the first couple of weeks? <laughs> we did everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh, I mean the Costco. I'll, I'll be proud to say that I, I wiped down boxes of the like Costco order would come in. And, yeah. We would do a Costco order, right? Yeah. Come outside, and uh, we'd have to do would drop it off, wipe. like right in front of your door. I'd be like, "All right, go in yeah, your car." I can't you get near it. Yeah, yeah. Costco order would come, wipe the whole thing down, and like we would. And I remember my wife would be like, "Do we wipe this down or not?" Like I'm like, I don't know. Like just don't touch it. Sorry, you yeah. know. So we get rubber gloves out and like <laughs> grab the cereal box and everything, right? I mean, yeah. That's, that's I hear you. That's history. They made you think it was going to be with Night of Living Dead or what's, what's, the name of the, what's the name of that show with the zombies that everyone likes? Zombie cop I don't know. No. Anyway. What is it? Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah, they yeah, made yeah. you think it was going to be Walking Dead. So, uh, yeah, I just was thrown head deep like a lot of people watching our kids full time. At that point, my daughter was two and my son was four, mm-hmm. right? Kind of, they're pretty much full time deal. Like, yep. They don't take care of themselves. Yep. Um, but Can't you know, leave the room. Tough to leave the room. Yeah, yeah. Especially my daughter. And but you know what? After a couple of weeks, um, I had a lot of clients that totally understood the situation. They were like cool about it. Um, a lot of projects I just pushed off. Mm-hmm. Right? Said I'll work at it, work on them at nighttime, and that's what would happen. My wife would get done with work, then I would go to the studio and work till at night, or I would get there at four in the morning and work till eight or something. It was long days. Mm-hmm. 
Not to mention not getting in the water, you know, but that's a lot of times that's, that's my area of relaxation, riding my bike and going out in the ocean. Yeah. And I did, wasn't getting that right. Uh, the beaches were closed for a while. You couldn't Crazy. travel because we talked about how you couldn't, like, you travel a lot yeah. for, for, for a lot of your photography. Couldn't travel. I was still traveling during that part of my life quite a bit. And yeah, it was, it was intense. And, uh, but you know, after the first three weeks, after I started to understand what was going on and this is going to be here like this for a while, I just started to embrace it. Be like, you know right. what? We had to come up with activities with the kids. You know, we bought those um, big old like slide pool things mm-hmm. from Costco and Target and uh, those water slides and put them in the front yard. And, you know, you just got to get creative. Yep. Go on adventures. Luckily, we're outdoors people anyway. So we would take the dirt bikes down and go into areas that weren't really closed yet, public spaces and, and so Dude, on. You know what sucked? Like, so COVID happens and then all of a sudden, like, biking industry explodes because everyone wants to go outside and just ride their right. bikes and everything like that. So we're riding their bikes and, like, the first time out with my bike, I used to ride my bike all the time, right? I'm like, pedal down, boom, damn, pedal shaft snaps. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No one cares because they're not open or, or you can't go to the store, you can't buy a new one, right? You can't, I want to, I'm like, I'll just buy a new bike. No bikes available, nothing like that. So I finally yeah. found one on offer up. Bike yeah. industry got intense. Yeah, yeah they're Everybody like they're like leaving the it outside. They're like, do you like it? The cover in their face. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I yeah actually, I love it. I'll take it. So I kept riding my bike in the morning, but I wasn't sure about riding around other people. Right in the beginning, so I would ride my bike up the El Rio Canal Trail in Boca, mm-hmm. which is like not a lot of people know about it. And I go in the morning. I I ride my bike in the dark in the morning. Anyway, in Boca del Rio. Yeah, eighteenth and all. Yeah, that? yeah, that that, well, yeah, yeah. that trail. It's like bike? a big path. No, okay. no, it's a big path in, in Boca, um, just east of FAU. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Along a real canal. So I'd ride that all the way and then go back south on anyone. But anyway, it was I did it because there weren't a lot of people on it and I didn't know about, you know, being next to people, you know, like you said before, we didn't know what to do when right. it was COVID. Um, but that was my my way of just getting some steam off, especially with kids all right. of a sudden. Yeah, yeah that's seven. the thing. You know, it's it's you gotta entertain them and then they're driving you up a wall and then there's it was your intense. mental capacity uh, tough. Yeah. So so you made it through. So yeah, right? so then things so the commercial work started to halt. Uh we also do like conferences at the Boca Resort. Mm-hmm. I have a staff of photographers that sometimes do we still do because some of those clients I've had for over fifteen years and I keep them. And uh and then like mm, Beginning of summer, and it started to get the surge of people wanting artwork right. on their walls. Did you get this too? Yeah. Yeah. So same thing. Obviously, people were stuck at home, and they're like, man, my freaking office sucks. Mm-hmm. And we had all these people coming to get artwork and ordering it from all over the country. And so I had to juggle that because I was still watching my kids. Um, and then it started to get kind of busy right after that because the commercial world that was dealing with the surge of covid um business started coming to me so like businesses that couldn't sell in stores now had to have a full online inventory but images of all their stuff mm-hmm. so we were shooting products just constantly in the studio oh wow we were shooting uh i just remember we were shooting this uh machine that sprays hand sanitizer and then make gives a wipe for uh grocery stores and supermarkets right product shots in the studio and so there was an influx of things that were because of covid the yeah. businesses that, that did go up necessity is the mother of all invention you know yeah. that's 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 you do, exactly. that's the way you had to look at covid really in my mind now for us we do so much custom Right, the custom apparel, the custom packages, the custom work for all the big boats. That was the one thing people were wanted to do and were able to do. Like they tried to keep that from boat. us, but they couldn't. Yeah. Right. The people basically rebelled with the boat ramps and then getting everything up and running. But that was the one thing people, the boating industry absolutely exploded. Yeah. We were fortunate for that you know, because the more boats that sell, the more custom apparel packages we get. That's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. You know, and, and we were just slammed with that. Yeah. To be honest with you, and I mean, we moved out here during COVID. You know, I opened up a retail store during COVID. 
because it was so crazy. Yeah, it's because yeah. you know it, it was what we had when we opened up first. We had this next door, which is the studio, and we split the whole thing in half. So it was retail up front and like working studio in the back. And now we got this gallery on this side, so we got the whole studio on the other side now, and, and this retail here. So I mean, it worked out. You know, so you're but, one of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so you know, in necessity is a mother of all invention. We put all our eggs in that basket. And to the point you're talking about earlier, about saying, I still have my commercial clients and stuff like that. People always say to me, oh, how come you're still doing those shirts? And you're not just painting all the t- all day. All If I were you, I would just paint. People want to put yourself in your themselves in your shoes all the time. But the bottom line is, A, I still enjoy it. I still love interacting with the custom customers I still love talking about boats and you know talking about what they want and you hear the stories this is why we started the podcast in the first place or how we started the podcast in the first place it's because we're having such great conversations with like-minded people yeah you know it was a wonderful thing like do i love painting yeah absolutely paramount to me i love that more than anything else but i also love doing all the custom work love interacting with the clients that run in the business gets stressful sometimes you know but yeah. yeah, here we are. Yeah, you know, and you yeah. don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Yep, it's true. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, for me, um, I love shooting, but I don't want to shoot twenty four seven. You know, I need to step away from it, right. do other things, because that'll give me the inspiration, motivation to come up with the new ideas and so on. And so yeah. I'm just like the you, variety you, of it. You, yeah, you pull yourself away from it, and then you can come back with lots of vengeance. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, painting. Honestly. If I had to just paint all day, every day, I mean, that might be tough. You know, just to do it nonstop, you know, all day, every day, just painting, 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 painting. I mean, it's tough to paint all day straight through. It really is. Can, a, the patience imagine. factor, and and B, j- just the physicality of it. I mean, even if it's a big piece, you got to stand yeah, up all physical. day. Yeah, You know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. And then there's the mental wear down of it all, because sometimes it's like, you know, you're talking about rabbit holes. You know, rabbit hole in your head during your, during a painting. That's for sure. You're your you own know? worst enemy. Critic, yeah. Right? So I want to yeah. talk a little bit. You brought up something earlier too about you said working with biologists. So it, with with some of your projects that you do in the water. I mean, take me through some of that. Like take me through like a few of your adventures or, or some of your daily paths and all that stuff. And then I want to bring up too the 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 South Beach swell because I thought that was really cause you got some really killer shots on that. Thanks. Yeah. So. um I work in industry with sea turtles. They're sensitive creatures. They're, you know, protected. Yeah, uh, I want to hear all so about on. like the, your idiosyncrasies with that stuff. Yeah, so you know, I'm fascinated by that. You have to tread lightly, right? With with my subject, um, and and a lot of people follow me. Um, they look, they follow me closely. The images I shoot, and so I'm underneath the microscope. So I need to obviously follow the right path of how I so do the biologist things I do. watching you while you're shooting uh, to make sure you behave properly. FWC watches me. Really? Of course. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, I'm out shooting, um, so you have, you have permission to be out in the water basically. Correct. Like you have like authority to be and there. I like wanted not to, just anyone can just jump in the water with sea turtles. Sometimes. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be like that. I, you know, I went to, I literally went to the biologist and so on. And when I started to do it, I was like, well, Am I doing it the right way? What are the laws behind this? This was back in 2009, probably, when I realized, like, oh, I'm going to probably be doing this a bunch. Um, I want to just want to make sure I'm, I'm following the right procedures, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a protected species. Um, I suddenly had a lot of people following me, and I was documenting the whole process. And I want to make sure, because people will, co- you know, they'll do whatever you're doing, you know, and, and, um, and there's also a lot of people that are not doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, sure, more than not. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so um, I... Uh, so the easiest way to do it for me was to just... So I'm permitted, physically permitted with the organizations that I work with by FWC. So I'm on the permit. So let's say with Gumbo Limbo, I'm on Gumbo Limbo's permit to um, document sea turtles. Okay. The hatching sea turtles. So they have a permit number. And actually on all my Instagram posts uh, or any Facebook posts, there's usually a permit number in the post that'll say where that turtle was. So FWC understands that's where that shot was taken and it was with, with this person and so on. So I kind of have tried to make it a textbook way of documenting what I do so that there's a complete history line of how that image was taken and so on 
mm-hmm. um, because there's been a lot of people disturbing nests to try to get photos and so on, which is sad. Yeah, know? I'm sure. Yeah, that it's, that's horrible. It is. It is. Um, and and there's the other obvious reason is going with biologists provides me a lot of opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And so originally I was going with biologists because I was helping them get images they weren't being able to get before to show what they do, right? So they right. needed images of sea turtles out in the water, or good examples of what they do and to bring about awareness to their organization and so on. And so that was obviously the direct way of doing it was like, hey, um, if I'm on your permit, I can help you do that and so on. Um, and so throughout the last 10 years, I've really just mainly stuck with three or four organizations that I, you know, document day in and day out during the summer. Um, and so right now is kind of the end of hatchling season. So sea turtles in South Florida, they start laying eggs in, uh, in March, you know, and very, not a lot at that point. Um, usually leatherbacks start first and goes all the way, uh, essentially through November, um, mm-hmm. will be the last ones emerging last nests. And it goes to the different species. There's leatherbacks, and then there's uh, there'll be loggerheads to start in greens, and then intermixes. But um, right around end of July is the peak of all the eggs coming up and emerging, the nests hatching, and so that's when I'm busiest. I'm out there pretty much every day that the ocean is calm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we get offshore winds and it's calm and it's clear, and I have the opportunity to get in the water. I will hike down the beach, um, usually with about 50 pounds of gear. So I have dry camera gear on one backpack on the, on my back. And then I have wet camera gear with my housing on my front. So like for those watching on this, you can see I brought my housing. This is uh, one of the housings that I use my camera system. And, um, Therefore, I'm ready to go in case we yeah, see nice. anything. Do you mind? Yeah, no, go for it. Yeah, this doesn't have a camera in it, so that's okay. just the housing. Yeah. That's an Aquatech housing that um, they gracefully provide me with. I mean, it's heavy. That's heavy with no camera. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but don't forget, that's that's out of the water. Right. It's in the in water. The water it looks, it's yeah, neutral buoyancy. It floats, and it's a lot easier to deal with. Um, nice. But yeah, so I, I, um, I got to be ready to go. Um, and there's a lot of days we see, we don't see anything. Um, they'll, that what they do is with a lot of, um, organizations that monitor nests, they mark the nests. You'll see the markings pretty much all over the coast of the East, uh, in the Eastern United States, as well as the Gulf coast with either flags or stakes. And you can also see the species of the turtle too. It'll identify it. Mm-hmm. And then after the nest emerges, they dig up the nest usually about three days afterwards. And um, some organizations, depending if they're close by uh, like Gumbo Limbo or Loggerhead Marine Life Center or down in the Keys at the Marathon, Marathon Turtle Hospital, they'll bring some of those hatchlings in to be released either at nighttime or... Um, or early the next morning, so they have a, a, a reduced risk of predation. You right. Know, obviously, sea turtle hatchlings during the daytime, fish can see them much easier. Birds can see them. I mean, the numbers of survival numbers aren't that good, are they? They're not that great. Um, but they haven't been great for a long time. Right. Right. Um, human impact has made that less. But yeah, it's 1,000 to 10,000. One in 1,000 to 10,000 will survive. Wow. To adulthood, to, to sexual maturity, which is 25 years. So right. it takes them 25 years before they can essentially around about different species translate, you know, to different times, but before they can go and lay eggs again. Um, but that's the biggest problem right now is most of the turtles being hatched are all girls. Because really? the temperature of the nest dictates the sex. So right now, hot chicks. The temperature cool of the dudes. nest dictates the sex of a sea yes. turtle? I yep. never knew that. And so since our planet's kind of warming up and the sand's hotter and it's only a degree or two, mm-hmm. right? Not very much, tiny amounts. Most of the um, nests here are females coming out of the nest, like 99%. Right. A lot. So that, just think about it. 25 years, there are only going to be females out there. Wow. 
That's so not if a good you're thing. like the one, well, unless you're the one male turtle, I mean, <laughs> dude, you're the Mac Daddy, right? It's like, what's no up? No problems, right? <laughs> um, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, that's that's gonna be, you know, that's one problem, right? Um, the biggest threat to sea turtles is um, is bycatch. So mm-hmm. longline fishermen, and um, they get they get caught in nets, mostly in developing countries. Right, right where um they just don't have the resources um I, and i i apologize i forget the name of the the system where they integrate they have a um they have this contraption where it lets sea turtles go out of the nets i forget what it's called but mm-hmm. um they're they're introducing that to communities around the world fishermen that that the turtles will go c- caught in the net and then they can swim out okay and that has, has greatly changed the survival rate probably of um, longline fishermen. That helps the problem. Um, obviously, another problem is um, most hatchlings right now are found with plastic in their bellies. Right. Uh, 99% of hatchlings that are three to three months old. That's three, why our do-gooders are so weeks, important. Right? Three weeks to three months old uh, have their stomachs full of plastic. Um you know, if any of us fishermen are out, you know, looking for weed lines, if you look at the weed line closely, there's plastic yeah. throughout the whole thing, right? And so hatchling turtles go out into the Gulf Stream. That's their nursery. And so they're feeding on the little teeny tiny shrimp, the baby sargassum fish, all those little, you know, things that the fish are there for as well. And um, they look just like pieces of plastic. So, yeah, the, the turtles are... Um, you know, I, something I've uh, I've learned a lot about being a photographer. Yeah, Most people say, think I'm a complete, you know, biologist and expert on turtles, but it's really just being around, you know, all these biologists that I've been and educated. And it's part of the responsibility and part of the steward of, of, of doing it. And I was going to say that you had to be, you got to be picking up a wealth of information, hanging out with, with a lot of the biologists and, and, and just gumbo limbo and, and the organizations that you work with. I'm sure it's just like... With, without even trying, I'm yeah. sure you're getting this information. I, so, I and what you're bringing to the show today is, in, in, you know, really incredible stuff too. And I'm highly fascinated by it um, because, from our perspective, I mean, you probably you know this, and you, turtles are very popular, right? and people people love them. And if, from our aspect, though, we sell them all the time. It's probably our number one thing that, especially the female clientele yep. ask yep. for you know they're yep. like oh i want to see turtle i want to see the even more than like mermaids or anything like that they love their sea turtles yeah and rightfully so right and there's a we always say with like the hanu spirit and all that behind it so they come out of the woodwork i tell you the, yeah the turtle freaks i have met some interesting people <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i have met some and they have driven from you know where all the way down to my studio just to meet me or get a picture yeah. of a turtle and I'm like whoa and they have turtle tattoos yep. and turtle car and yeah anytime I draw a turtle it's it's party time yeah like really it, it, it's crazy how it is I'm like hey, that's really all you needed yeah but no that's yeah. cool though the um but what I was gonna say I'm like I'm fascinated to hear all these facts about it because as much as people just say they love turtles oh they're so cute and they're so adorable it's like well. I love hearing educational aspects of it too, because about preserving them. Like you mentioned the whole thing about the survival rate. That's horrible. Like when you, you go through all that to survive that, and you, the the odds of becoming a mature turtle, and then all of a sudden like a piece of plastic takes you out like years later. Yeah, right. Pretty shitty. It is pretty shitty. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a damn shame. It, it's not like you know, and not to compare one species over the other, put an importance factor on it. But if you look like a mahi that replicate so often, so many of them, it's, it's not like you know a sea turtle. It's more rare. Yeah. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, difference too is a mahi can digest thing. That's the problem with sea turtles. Can digest and and intake maybe a piece of plastic, mm-hmm. and those baby turtles, their digestive tract is so narrow the plastic gets stuck in their intestines. Right. And then they're, it clogs their stomach and then they survive. Then they, they pretty much starve. That's horrible. So that's what happens. So yeah, no, it, it's, it's fascinating to me to learn about it as well. Um, yeah. you know, I'm lucky that I get to learn about, it. I get to be in all kinds of interesting situations. Um, we've helped film TV shows and you know, you name it. Um, I've started to really be involved in so many different things 
So it's it's cool to be on the front line in a lot of that and uh, and be involved. So nice. yeah, it's it's an interesting world, the turtle world. Do you have a signature big moment you can point to so far? Uh, you know, I can tell you about some recent stuff this this yeah. year. This year, I have witnessed uh, more predation than than previous. I think. Um, so I had one uh, maybe late July. I'm up in northern Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, right early in the morning, right at uh, sunrise, oceans, late calm. That's when the fish are out, right? It's the best time yeah. to go fishing along the shoreline here. Right. We have great fishing. And um, the light's probably so good for you too. The light's good. That's why I go out. It's yeah. good. Um, obviously, that's the only time I'll, I'll witness a turtle coming out, um, obviously in the nest too. But... We had, um, we had, uh, I think it was like a nest come out, a whole emergence. It was like 10 turtle or something like that. And, um, I went out, I usually go out with the, the, the first turtle I see, the first opportunity I get, I, I jump on it. Cause who knows what's going to happen after that. Get out there and I get my housing ready and it's still a little darkish and, uh, the sun's just on the horizon. So the water is still not very, um, light. And I don't usually film the turtle when it's that dark, when it's coming right through the shoreline. And I'm sitting there with my mask on and my snorkel and waiting. I don't to like s- being in the water right around that time. <laughs> waiting just, to see. Just so you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. We all have these, you know. <laughs> the sunrise, sunset. That's it's like high predation. Time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And this was uh, Singer Island, which is, there's oh, okay. lots yeah. of men in gray suits up there. Yep. So, um, I'm sitting there watching and, and I am not recording regretfully and a, a jack comes up he was like two and a half feet i don't know what it's, it was massive right and he just comes by and i and he comes by me the first time right and he's waiting obviously i don't know it's crazy he's waiting he's circling me almost like knowing i'm waiting for something mm-hmm. and i immediately was like oh where's that turtle that thing he's looking for it because i've never witnessed it but i've heard of it happen before and sure enough, I see the turtle come through and it's, it's kind of like cloudy and there's short, it's right in the shore break. So there's sand getting churned up and I see the thing come and bam, the jack comes out of nowhere and just really? scoops them right up in front of my eyes. Wow. And, um, the, the first time I saw it, I wasn't really sure it was a jack to be honest. Cause I did, I just saw the corner of my eye and it was just gray. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sharks at sunrise up there. They're not very big, but they're spinners and little black tips messing around, you know, and sharks make mistakes. Right. And most likely it'd be great for me to document whatever man nature's doing. Um, and if a shark's doing whatever it's doing, that's great. But, um, I just don't want it to get me do it to you or make a mistake right obviously it's sad that the turtle has to deal with that but that is what the turtles have been dealing with for millions of years nature right that is nature and that is something that a lot of people have a hard time when they look at my work is i will film a turtle upside down on the shoreline struggling to flip back up and they're like why don't you flip the turtle over i'm like that turtle and for one um i don't touch the turtles yeah. Right. And that's another thing. You shouldn't touch baby sea turtles. Let them be. It's actually against a lot of touch them unless you have a permit and so on. But for me, I just document nature. Right. Um, obviously, when there's a whole thing of hatchlings and there's seagulls coming down, I'm going to throw a rock at a seagull, try mm-hmm. to keep them. You know, a seagull doesn't need any more food. <laughs> right. We have too many seagulls. Right. Um, so I will inter- interfere a little bit in some ways, but, uh, in that instance, um, I, d- I couldn't even interfere cause I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but that was a crazy moment that I saw. Um, I saw, so another moment, uh, maybe a month before that I was probably in about 10 feet of water swimming out. The, I'm usually swimming next to the turtle and the turtle swimming out to the Gulf stream straight East as fast as they can. They swim very fast. They're tiny. It's very hard for me to see and get focus on the turtles. So I'll shoot. I'll sometimes- You have sh- to get close with this. Very thing. close. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no telephoto going on here. Correct. And also because of clarity of the water, you got to be real close to get, right. get the image clear. Um, and so um, those turtles are just moving around right at, the, right at the surface of the water. So when you have a mask on, it's very hard to see your viewfinder. Mm-hmm. It's hard, hard process to get, but I'll shoot 2,000 images in in 10 minutes, not even. Really? Because I don't know what's yeah, going to be in yeah, focus so you're just or whatever. the whole time. 
Correct. Just wow. shooting away. And I'll switch between video and still constantly mm-hmm. too. And so there was a moment, a uh, big old pinfish came by and whoosh, came out of nowhere, got him in his mouth. Pinfish? Yes. A beast too. He was like- Really? He was two feet long. Come on. Big, big pinfish. Pinfish? Yeah. Wow. I don't know what he was going to do with it. Yeah. I don't think he can swallow a turtle, right? I mean, I just, they're- their neck is not that big. Yeah, no, it's, it's like a, a snake tiny, trying tiny to eat a mouth. deer, yeah. right, or something. And um, and I've instantly, seen that half, but no, I'm just <laughs> instantly, I just, I just go like this. I like, you know, swipe a bunch of water, and he drops it right there. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, cool, I saved one at least, right? There you go. And um, that was a kind of a cool moment. Um, a couple years ago, I had uh, I was I was shooting a turtle super early in the morning and never saw it until I got back to the studio. We're going through the images, big old shark right below me, mm-hmm. right there. Never saw it coming. He was uh, he, he was How in deep like are you? six seven yeah. feet of water. Uh, so you're close to him, real close. Fish eye lens, and he was right there. Um, never saw him because I was so focused on the turtle. Wow. You know, I, I, otherwise I'll lose them too. If I, if my eyes aren't on that thing constantly, I'll lose them in the surface. It's crazy. You, just, you, you lose them in two seconds. Yeah. So hard to see, um, especially early in the morning. But yeah, there's been a couple predation moments like that. Um, I've only had one shark moment. Um, I've had a couple where right before I get in the water, there's a shark right there. But usually sharks, they, I can't get near them. Yeah. You know, sharks want nothing to do with you. I always find it so interesting to just meet fellow artists, um, especially ones I greatly respect like you, um, and just getting a little bit inside of your process. And it's just, it's always a fascinating thing to me. So I really appreciate you sharing all that. And it's it's been a pleasure sitting with you today and, and just going through all that with you and getting to know you. I always say that, like I always, this is the first time, just for record, this is the first time we're ever meeting. Right? And yeah, it's right. Me- meeting, meeting people on the show for the first time, it's, I absolutely love it. Right, and- um, It's cool. And, be yeah, honest, and yeah. Please don't be a stranger. Like, you know. Right, you too. Yeah, so, and, and this has been really, really great getting together with you. Um, is there anything you want to share, any current events or any, any major things you have coming up happening? Um, I really there's lots of stuff going. I'm gonna do, I'm doing a hurricane thing too as well. Actually, um, yeah, you brilliant. were just on uh, in the Atlantic Current magazine, mm-hmm. and Dustin, who runs that magazine, who I thought was crazy ten years ago, he came to me and said, "Hey, I'm gonna start a magazine." I'm like, "You're crazy, print magazine right now." But anyway, he's done very well for himself, yeah. and I've helped him over the years. And anyway, we're gonna kind of team up together and uh, bring supplies over to the West Coast. And so tomorrow I'm going to launch, I think I have 10 images that will be prints that will donate the proceeds to. And, um, and I think we're physically going to buy the supplies and take them over there. Okay. And there's a couple sponsors that we're probably going to announce that will provide supplies and so on. And we'll document some of it and what we do. Nice. Uh, because Dustin is actually from Fort Myers. His dad has a house oh, he is. there. Okay. Yep. His dad lucked out, actually never lost power, which is oh, good probably the wow. 2%. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Very small percentage of people didn't lose power over the, especially in the Fort Myers area. Um so that'll be announced tomorrow and then uh probably will go for a week or two. Um you know a lot of a lot of stuff's going on. Um okay. Like I said before though, I'm always constantly, you know, trying to think of new ways as an artist. Um that's, I do that's have the thing. Really cool thing that's happening is um on Disney Plus. My episode with National Geographic, um, there's a there's a new episode called National Parks. Mm-hmm. It just came out August 31st, and the first five uh, episodes came out. And the second five episodes, there'll be I have a whole three minute episode on Biscayne Bay. Oh, very cool! And it's it's a battle between a turtle and a crab that I filmed. And really, that's pretty much the largest uh, scene that I've had on worldwide television oh that's cool uh, when does that come out again uh we don't i i would love to know you don't know yet they won't tell me I, there's obviously a date but the first five came august 31st and it'll be the next five episodes of national graphic um uh, on the disney plus all right well, well when that when that comes up you'll be sharing it yeah. and then we'll be sharing it off of that's, you, so. that's a really yeah. cool thing that happened recently um that uh it's a full length series mm-hmm. that i i haven't i've only had 
grips, you know, five seconds, 10 seconds here, but this is a whole series of, um, of uh, scenes that I shot. We did a lot on the same with the mullet run as well. So okay. there's some scenes of the mullet run uh, in that, and it's all about Biscayne Bay. It's about it's about national parks that um, are not as in the limelight, you know, like Biscayne Bay National Park. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even know we have a national park down there, and that's what their the series right. is about. And uh, and part of it's about the mullet run, actually. But it's happening right now, right on our beaches. It's yep, happening right now. Yeah. And the hurricane disrupted a little bit, but it's it going to be getting a little bit back to normal now. And hopefully. I've been chasing that every day almost this week. Really? Yep. Yep. So I have lots of lifeguards and people telling me it's there, <laughs> here, there. And every time somebody tells me the last couple of days, I have been not able to go. Right. So it was just here this weekend. Yeah. Right in Pompano. Uh, probably you guys know. Yep. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. All right, listen, if um, if you want to find out more about Ben Hicks, go to over to Instagram, first and foremost, Ben J. Hicks, at Ben J. Hicks. And it's BenJHicks.com as well yep. as your website. If you want to purchase any prints, support your local artists. If you're locally watching here, support your nationally recognized and Emmy award-winning cinematographer artist, um, Ben Hicks, um, you know, listen. I appreciate it. Yeah. We're making it all happen, right? Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having right me on. on. And then um, you said you marinated your steak in the W sauce. Yeah. Good stuff, huh? Nice. America's Worcestershire, right? So this is this this weekend, I'm going to get two of this. I'm going to start putting all my meat into this thing. So that's nice. That actually came out wrong. And the vegan shire and all that, right? That I heard, one, that I one heard was it, for Brad. I heard it right. He's going to put his meat, for, his meat, his meat, meat sauce. <laughs> What's that? I'm not going to put my meat in the fire shower. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's all good. America's Worcester, W sauce. Bear and Burton's W sauce. I got I to gotta call Brad right after the show and tell him what, what just went down. So, cool. Right on. Um, listen, if you're in the market for a new truck or vehicle, head on over to joeycardichrysler.cheapram. Tell them I sent you. Go check out the new Wagoneer. Listen, if anyone's been watching this show, they know all about Joey Cardi. How could you not? Right? So, price selection service. Go over there and check them out. All right? And then, uh, I cannot say enough about the Papa's Pilar Rum and the Papa's Pilar Rum family, more importantly. Right? Not only is the rum good, but the people are great. And um, we're so happy that they are 100% behind our shirt drive. And um, and with that 10% of the total donation match that they're going to be doing, and um, we're, we're pretty stoked on that. So we're going to try to get to our goal of, I'd love to write a check for $50,000, which would turn out to be a check for $55,000 plus that 10% if we make it there. Um, so, But I'm pretty confident that we will. Um, support caps for clean water and all that they're doing. Um, and if you're hungry in the neighborhood of Lighthouse Point, go over and check out Papa's Raw Bar. Order something off the Connected by Water Inspired Sushi menu. Um, and that's it. Ben, you want to sign off? Any, any more pleasantries for, for our fans out in... That's it. Get salty, you know? That's, that's it. I'd say. Get salty. Whatever you got to do. Go in a boat. Go for a swim. Love it. Get out there. Nice. Get out there. All right. Your ego is not your amigo. Always do your best. And at the end of the day, just let God do the rest and do not ever forget that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're all connected by water. Cheers. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome.